Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berenday, and I'm really excited to have with us today Nancy Ruth Dean. We're going to be talking about getting through a breakup, which is awesome because this is so not my lane. And so I'm so excited to have her here to provide some real valuable information for you. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about her before we dive in here today. Nancy is a breakup coach, a former matchmaker, contributor, facilitator, and personal development junkie. Working in the relationship industry for five years, she's learned one major thing. Most of us have no idea how to process a breakup in a healthy, conscious way. She's made it her mission to help men and women all over the world get the proper support they need during a breakup through private one-on-one coaching. She's been featured in Cosmopolitan, Well and Good, Bustle, Global News, and UK's Heart Radio, and I'm so happy to have her with us on the show today. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So before we get down and dirty with it, will you tell our listeners what your superpowers are? I would say, you know, when it comes to conducting a session or having somebody come right before my eyes, I do everything online. But when we're really connecting, I think it's just being so present with that person and letting them feel and experience everything as it is, right? Not forcing them to change or forcing them to fix anything, just really embodying that present moment with them. Mm, Beautiful. And what do you feel like that gives to them? I think on a, on a deep level, I think it gives, it gives all of us when, when we're really heard and seen in that way by being present, it just gives us this beautiful validation that again, we, we don't need to change that we are evolving and ultimately that we really are being heard and seen by somebody else. Yes. Yes. And I have found it also, it gives, um, it can give just space to like make our feelings. Okay. Right. That it's okay to feel, it's okay to feel people, especially if you're going through a breakup. So, um, so let's talk about this. So I'm sure, you know, the people who are tuning into this episode are curious to know how to get through a breakup because they're probably in it or they have someone in their life who's in it. Um, so, so what's the most common thing that you see when people come to you and they're dealing with a breakup? The first thing that, that really comes through is, is, Firstly, people thinking that they weren't supposed to break up and how that idea actually delays the healing process. So, mm-hmm. so when people are coming, coming over and they're sharing their stories, it just so happens that it's always starting with, this wasn't supposed to happen. And then it morphs to, how do I get them back? And, and then I kind of bring them on this, this awareness journey where it's like, well, what it what if you're supposed to be going through your breakup and what if it's supposed to be teaching you something i bet a lot of people don't like hearing that they don't <laughs> so i i could just imagine being met with a lot of resistance in, in presenting it that way initially well here's here's where it gets really interesting so most people don't end up finding me before they've already gone through their friends who have told them Mm -hmm. not to feel the way that they feel that they should just do this specific methodology and you should try this and you need to do this and really like telling it's almost like if you don't have the recipe for holding space for somebody, then don't bother giving them any advice. Right? Seriously. Yes. And I really think that when people come to me and they inquire and they make the time to say, okay, what's going on here? Like, why have I been repeating this same story? 
why haven't I been healing? Like, why is this taking so much time? Like, what is really going on? And so what I do is I don't, I don't tell them what to do. I show them that there are other things to see that are greater than the picture and the story that they've been painting for months and even years. You know, it's interesting because I think oftentimes when we are, when we're in pain um, or we're having, we're going through a hard time, we will initially seek out the people who are going to co-sign with us in that pain, who are going to be like, oh my God, yes, they're such an asshole or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that that part of us that is hurting feels like it needs to feel validated. Um, I, I think, I think it's, it's pretty common. I it's pretty unconscious, you know, but, but it's pretty common that we, we go to the people who are going to sort of coddle these little parts of us that don't necessarily need to be coddled. Um, but, but that's what they want, right? That those, those, those parts and pieces that, that are making us suffer, they, they like to take center stage. Um, well, exactly. So what the added part to what you just said there is kind of, we go and we do exactly that. We strategically and also subconsciously are being guided to people who will feed into our story. And our right. story is our ex did this to us. Um, you know, anything that kind of takes away the personal responsibility a lot of the time. And then because even though they're co-signing and they're coming together and they're feeding the story, what interestingly happens on a conscious level is the following day, maybe you decide, let's say yesterday that you were venting to your friend and your ex is a, a butthole of all sorts. And then the next day you decide to message your ex and you're feeling completely undone, but you go to that same person and then they, they pretty much say, well, why did you do that to yourself? Like, I thought you don't like them, right? So then that friend or that family member or that peer is now almost taking away the experience that comes with a breakup where everything is an ebb and flow all the time. But now you feel like you're not in this safe space anymore. Whereas yesterday you were safe when you were feeding the story. Now you're shifting a little bit and feeling something different. And then your peers are saying, well, you shouldn't feel that way. It, things were different yesterday. Mm. Mm. Okay. So we're going to dive more. You mentioned something about personal responsibility, which we're all about on this show and people don't necessarily love to hear about it, but some people do because people do keep listening and tuning in. We're going to dive more into that when we get back from the break, but um, we do have to go quickly. Will you, um, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work before we break? Yeah, com. Awesome. So we are talking with Nancy Ruth Dean about getting through a breakup and much more on this topic when we get back. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Okay, we're back. So I mentioned before the break that we were going to discuss personal responsibility and and maybe there's another, I feel like there's another word that needs to be created other or, or utilized other than responsibility because it feels like such a heavy word, you know, and such a like, ugh, there's, there's so much weight to it. But I think there is a lot of value in being able to recognize the part that we play in the outcomes that we get in our life. Yes. 
So how do you go about doing that with someone who is coming to you and is totally just distraught over breaking up with someone who they thought was going to be the person for them for the rest of their life? Yeah. So, so again, you know, we're all, you know, the universe is kind of presenting different people, different things, different places to us that are, that are kind of offering a different way to see things, right? So from that angle, people come to me, and they haven't yet figured out how to get out of their story. So when, when I know that I've really aligned with my clients in a way that they're ready to let go of the story, part of that will be about putting yourself back in the driver's seat, because there's this conversation. And for all of us, when we when we don't know, we don't know why things are happening the way they are. We just give the responsibility to someone else, right? And there's so much power in accepting that maybe maybe we did play a role in this. Like we are the artists of our reality. And being able to step into your power means desiring to see your responsibility in it. So we have to just start by acknowledging that, yes, even though I'm I'm coming from a place of blame, I'm coming from a place of not knowing how I'm going to accept personal responsibility, but today I'm choosing to see it this way. So that's really the first step. So something you just said made me think of something you said before we went to break too, because you, um, before we were, we went to break, you were talking about sort of like, okay, on this day, I'm asking my friend to co-sign with me. And then on the next day, I'm feeling different and I'm reaching out to my ex. And, you know, you just said today, I'm going to choose to feel empowered. Um, Have you seen, I mean, it sounds like from how you're talking about this, that it's like people change pretty drastically from day to day and how they are managing their breakup experience. And is that pretty normal? It's, uh, we are, my favorite, my favorite quote is the permanence of impermanence. Mm-hmm. And part of that means that I can feel completely different in two minutes and I can feel completely different in one hour or from today to the next. And, and that sometimes can scare us because we think, I don't know why we think this, but we think we're just supposed to be happy and joyful all the damn time. But well, it's, it's kind of being shoved down our throats right now. So it, uh, yes, <laughs> it is. And I think there's a lot, there's, it's really, it, it kind of goes both ways. It's like you, th- you think on one hand, we're being conditioned completely to be hardworking and to kill ourselves to get what it is that we're meant for in the future. And I think that's completely off track and just absolute conditioning that we need to strip. But at the same time, I think when, when people say like, I can re- I can reverse 40 years of, of anxiety and et cetera, et cetera, in one session and you'll be completely different. I don't think that works either. I yeah. Think- I don't usually trust those people who claim no. the overnight, the overnight success. I don't believe that overnight success is a thing. And I think that, you know, I mean, I've talked to many people on this show and, um, on other shows we have on this network who I think will attest to that the overnight success is looks like an overnight success, but it comes from small incremental steps implemented over time. Exactly. And that's exactly right. And it's these, it's this idea where, again, part of this, we're talking about personal responsibility, like that's really coming through. We're talking about making decisions and choosing instead of letting things happen and being reactionary. So when we're really just looking at how we want to shift our lives. Firstly, that actually means that we recognize that life is a journey and every day small shifts are happening. So even when I have, and it's really interesting because I have a few different types of, um, I, I would say like, I, I don't like to categorize, but I will say that there's a, there's a certain type of conversation where people come to me and they're like, I want to get over my ex and I only want to do one session and there's this whole conversation. And I'm like, to be frank with you, I, this is about a journey and this is about Mm -hmm. awareness of a journey that we're having. It's not about, 
getting over your ex tomorrow because you don't want to handle your emotions. This is about appreciating your emotions, understanding their guidance, and being able to see yourself outside of your emotions as well. And I'm sorry, we can't do that in an hour. I, I love what you just said, because I think it, I think it's true where, you know, I mean, we're, we have this like cult of instant gratification in our culture right now. And, and it's especially with emotions that are uncomfortable. It's like, okay, I just want to be done feeling this. So whatever you can do to make it go away, make it go away, please. And I'll pay you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like that, it doesn't work that way. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's not, it's not as sexy of a sales tactic to be real with people in that space, but that's the truth. Like you have to do the work and there, when it comes to the emotional labor, no one can do it for you. No one can do it for you. Exactly. And, and part of this, this work that we do to, to become more aware of, you know, we, we just get so, we get so caught up in how in the picture that our emotions are painting that it just stops us from, from a doing the things that we want, going after the things that we feel called to do and moving forward from people, places and things that no longer serve us. And the the bulk of what I do really is, you know, it's not just this conversation about letting go of your ex. It's really about seeing how emotions, again, their guidance. They don't necessarily mean anything when you start thinking you're going to be alone for the rest of your life. Like, how the heck could your emotion tell you that today when tomorrow hasn't even happened? But if we believe this emotion, then then maybe we won't leave our house and go grab a coffee and read a book for an hour where you could actually meet the love of your life. Instead, we get scared. We numb ourselves. We put Netflix on for eight hours. And then we go and we live the exact same day the next day, just hoping to run away from the emotion. Yeah, we verify our beliefs. They, they become self-fulfilling prophecies. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we it's like, it's wild because... I never learned how I didn't have proper, like I had super loving parents, but they had, they never really showed me or told me like, what is like the science behind emotion and are emotions even true? And I say that in, in quotation marks, mm. like we don't learn this stuff anywhere else. Like now, fortunately we have the chance to listen to podcasts like yours where we can deepen our understanding so that when we do feel something, we can see it as insightful. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, we have, we have a lot of different conversations over here at SPE about emotions. Um, because when you start getting into like the, the conversation around superpowers and design work, I mean, some of us are, are predisposed to, to actually running the emotional energy of people around us. Um, some of us are are predisposed to to not doing that, um, and and there's there's a lot of different ways to to approach emotional energy. And I think um, another thing that we like to really make a, a distinction between is emotional energy and thought energy because they are different. And you know, and one can affect and impact the other. Oftentimes, you know, we, I mean, we hear it over and over again. It's become cliche at this point. Your thoughts create your reality. And there is, um, I don't actually necessarily believe that there's fundamental truth to that. I think that there is some wisdom in that. And I think that there is a lot of nuance to be had in that conversation. And it's not as cut and dry as your thoughts create your reality. Um, you know, we, we're talking about emotional energy, vibrational energy, that there's a lot of um, aspects that go into into that kind of a conversation, and yet our beliefs absolutely do shape what we what we see and what we experience, and like you were saying, what we are willing to get out of bed or not get out of bed and do. Yep, um, I, I I've definitely felt uh, I've definitely felt because you know I'm huge. I love the law of attraction. I love 
seeing things differently. But even if I were to take inventory of all my thoughts, to be frank, when like my trigger is if I start noticing that I'm feeling a certain emotion or I'm feeling sensing or, or thinking negative thoughts, like that's just a call to action for me to, to take more time for myself, to be more compassionate and empathetic towards myself. And that kind of just cuts the feeding of the negative um, emotion or the negative thought instead of it controlling my reality, if that makes sense. Totally. So we've talked about sort of getting at the foundational story, right? Um, what are some just like super practical things that you see people going through breakup doing that are not serving them that they really would be better off to shift? Okay. So let me think of my top, my top few. Number one, when we give ourselves this, when we, when we try and Google, and again, we're all go, a lot of us, are, <laughs> yes. we're going straight to Google, okay? When you don't have the answer, you go straight to Google. But here's the funny thing. And it's funny, but it's also not really funny. It's kind of ironic. What we type into Google is often going to feed our thinking. So mm-hmm. if I'm, and a lot of the time, by the way, guys, girls, ladies and gents, when we are... <laughs> When we're going to Google, chances are we're not going to Google to be enlightened. We are, we're going to Google to feed our fear. Google so, becomes the cosigner of, with the story, right? Yes. And so here we are, the, a popular one. Uh, how long does it take to get over a breakup? Uh-huh. And I, I've been, I love doing this research because I get so much insight from my clients, just even talking to people and, and watching how people just present themselves and start talking about uh, their breakups. And the, I decided that I would go on, a, put myself in my client's shoes because mm-hmm. I haven't gone through a breakup since 2016. But um, so I did, so I'm like, how long does it take to get over a breakup? And what shocked me was I had seen uh, an article on a therapist who said that it takes about six weeks to get over a breakup. And I'm like, I don't know who you think you are, but I don't think it only takes six weeks. But I'm like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. Other times I've seen 18 months. And for me, that resonated. So when like, it's about the moment that we get on the journey that we can start allowing ourselves to let that unfold naturally. But because we're so anxious and we want to process how long does it take to get over a breakup and we're like scared, we go and we look at these scary numbers that say 18 months, that's way too long. Or we say six weeks, oh my gosh, I'm on week 12 and I feel like the same first day that we ended the relationship. So then we're just getting stressed out because neither of these answers are fitting us. Or you read even more detrimental, and I feel really called to share this, we read (laughs) even more detrimental personal stories on reddit.com or (laughs) Quora.com. And it's, they'll literally be like, my ex left me five years ago, I quit my job, I haven't been able to work since and everything has gone downhill. And I've had to go on welfare Right, oh like, and and you're thinking, you know, you've never been on welfare in your life, but then the thought comes through, and you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to be on welfare too? Like, have <laughs> I just right? And it's just, and then you're up till four in the morning, and you're like, what has happened here? Like, I just like defied like time and space being stuck in Reddit.com, right? Oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't go on those kinds of websites. For yes, for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah, if yeah. There is, if there is one takeaway from this entire podcast episode, it's don't you dare go on Google when you're <laughs> feeling defeated. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, and well, and I would think too with a timeline. Like there are so many variables and factors to breakups. It's not like there is like one reason why people break up or one way that people break up. Or, you know, and I'm sure there's like, depends on how long you've been together and what kind of a relationship you had and how rocky it was before the breakup happened. I mean, there's like so many things that come into play to determine 
quote unquote, how long it should take you to get over it. It seems like ridiculous. You know, it's going to take as long as it's going to take you to work through the material that's been presented to you from this experience. Exactly. We like, what is marvelous about looking at like our breakup journeys is that all of our relationships are in fact the story is quite different how you met how long you dated what you felt but at the same time there are and even i've experienced this where you have like this two and a half week relationship that felt like no other relationship almost like you were high now that's a different story um and well, then you happen that there you get high on the hormones yeah and you and then you look at this relationship and you're like well it was only two and a half weeks does that mean it should only take you know five days to get over it and it's like well not necessarily because for everyone that the representation and the meaning of that person is going to determine like your journey and processing what went through. So uh, it could be that you had a 10 year relationship and it may take you a while to process because it was 10 years, but you could have had a one month meaningful relationship that just floored you and you've never seen any or felt anything like this. And that could take six months. Right. But at the end of the day, like we're here to, to explore these teachings like what is this revealing to us what what can i learn from what i'm feeling and experiencing so that i can show up better for myself and find that healthy conscious relationship in the future do you find that a lot of the people that come to you have um sort of patterns of relationship that have been repeated over time Absolutely. That's the relation unconscious relationship patterns are my absolute favorite to to discover with my clients because again, taking personal responsibility for our story. Now, a lot of the time, you know, until we're 18, we we're in circumstances that we're really just observing, not being able to process. And as young children, this is where our attachment is being formed. So once we start like looking at the story and taking responsibility and, and realizing, okay, have I been living out these unconscious patterns that happened from my attachment when I was young? Um, there's a really great book that I read and I constantly recommend because for whatever reason, I rarely run into anybody who reads this book, but it's called Attached, um, The New Science Battle Attachment and how, how it can help you find and keep love. Uh, this is not a sponsorship. Uh, this is not a promo, but it's if we're looking to look at these patterns where you find yourself in, you know, a typical one is why am I always finding people who don't want to commit? Or why am I always finding narcissistic partners? Or why am I always finding partners who don't appreciate me? Once we get that key sentence, why am I dot dot dot? We can call it a pattern, and then we can start looking into how how did how when I was young, how did some of the early moments of my life define how I show up in relationships today? It's a powerful question, and we often we're like, "Oh no, I'm good, like I'm good with my parents, all is well, and you're like, "Well, maybe we can actually just explore." some of the things when we were young to really look at how attachment was, how our attachment was initially formed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you read people like Harville Hendricks and I mean, he's essentially says like, you're going to marry your mother or father. Like, that's like, that's just how it works. Um, yeah. you know, and I, and I don't know that it's necessarily that cut and dry, but it, I bet it, there is definitely something too. like we, we partner with people who help us move through things that we need to move through. Um, you know, I've talked about this before on the show when, when we're making a commitment to somebody in, in something like a serious marriage, you know, we've talked about this in, in episodes about marriage, about conscious divorce. Like we're really 
actually agreeing whether we realize it or not. Um, when we make a commitment like that, we are agreeing to work through some really deep stuff that's not only ours, but also lives inside of our partner and is carried. And at this point in our evolution, like we're working on, on an ancestral lineage perspective because so much has been handed down because of how, what we experienced in childhood. You know, how our parents were with us when we were children is very much largely based on how their parents were with them when they were children, which is very much largely based on how their parents were with them or what they experienced, you know? So it's like, we're really, when we, when we step back and take a broader view, like we're looking at a cascade, a generational cascade that we get to clean up. Um, Yeah. What you're saying is like, is really pulling me in because I'm so drawn to the, the concept that even before we come out of the womb, you know, we've, we have soul contracts with people. We've hand selected our parents, our family members, the people we will be dating. And we've partnered with them essentially so that mutually we can both learn lessons, right? So sometimes we grow up or sometimes we never really move forward in our lives because we it's so natural. We just, we blame our parents for our circumstances and, or even circumstances that are completely out of our control that a lot of the time are, are insurmountable, right? Um, emotionally. But when we look at this idea that, that there's the possibility that we've got these soul contracts and maybe we did pick these people to teach us, it's, depending on if you're in the right frame of mind to hear this message, right? (laughs) Everybody listening is is hearing this message today because that's what they need today. So, you know, when we're getting caught up in blame or we're getting caught up in pointing the finger, being angry and dwelling, then we can remind ourselves that, hey, what if I were to just try this on? Like, what if I'm exhausted? What if I'm absolutely drained and exhausted from blaming? Like, can I see it a different way? And then just adding that piece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, it's, by the way, we cannot tell anybody that you chose your circumstances. Okay. Sure. Right. We cannot do that, but we can lead them to resources or certain ideas that with their own decision making and their own space that they want to hear this message that they can try it on if that's their choosing. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, again, it's, a, it's something that we've discussed a lot on the show that like choosing your circumstances that, you know, and then we go into victim blaming and the whole thing, you know, that can, it can become a cascade very quickly. Um, and there is a difference you know, because most people will be like, well, I, why would I choose this? Why would I do this to myself? You know, like, no, I'm going to reject that idea at, from go. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge that we are making choices every single day, whether they're conscious or not. We're making choices every moment. And, and really the work is about making those choices conscious because like we mentioned earlier, the overnight success is, is not an overnight success. It's due to, um, you know, a accumulation of th- small things that we do on a daily and consistent basis. The same is true of the overnight failure or of the sudden, you know, horrible, whatever. Um, it's small, consistent things that we're doing regularly um, and that we may not even be aware that we're doing them. And so it's hard. It's hard. The, I, think, I think the word choice becomes really challenging because if you're not aware that you're doing something, are you really in choice, um, you know, is a, is a question that I think is worth asking. Um, but I think it's also worth investigating in ourselves. Okay, so if I'm not aware that I'm doing it, how can I become aware? Yes. So that I can be in choice because true empowerment is being able to consciously choose. Yeah. To I think what's for some reason the 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 our ancestral history is coming back into this conversation. Um 
Because when we're talking about, I don't know why I'm totally, I'm, I'm, we're going back to what we were just talking about five yeah. minutes ago. Um, we, so we've got, because like just for clarity, a lot of us, we're starting at the point of, I don't think my parents impacted my dating choices, right? Like that's kind of how the conversation starts. You think it's just about you and this is just consciously what you want. But then when we write down our needs on a piece of paper, we can investigate and say, okay, wait, wait a minute. Why do I desire that need? Like as humans, we all have our needs, mm-hmm. but the way in which we need the need and the way in which it has not yet been met is coming from something to do with our uh, childhood, our attachment to our parents, right? And then how our parents show up in their relationship with their kids, that's passed down from their parents before them. And when I was doing, because I mean, doing this work is an everyday thing. But when I was really investigating my relationship patterns, I took the courageous move to actually talk to my parents. I started conversations with them and I would ask them certain things. And only recently, even though I'm in a really healthy, loving relationship, as new things are coming up that are just revealing to me that our, we, do, like, we do need to cut the, the, the lineage energetically right? So that we can start fresh and then we can pass down new energy to our kids, right? And we can start a new line there. So getting conscious about the fact that we need to be conscious in order to choose powerfully for ourselves, that also means that doing the work could involve being more exploratory with your parents or seeing your parents become more reserved or getting angrier at your parents. But at the same time, it really helps them shift and and helps them heal. So when you do the work to look at your relationship or your breakup and what needs healing there, you're energetically helping everyone around you heal as well. Absolutely. And that, that goes into, um, you know, the non-physical realm as well. And I, I, like to remind people that there is a lot of support actually in the non-physical realm for us doing this work because when we do the healing it ripples back and it ripples forward um and there are you know for most of us there's some like really intense history in in the in the back of the line you know even even if you just think about like okay so this may be a very weird example, but my daughter's really into the little house of the prairie, right? And so we're reading these books for like the third time. But it's fascinating to go back in time and to look at, you know, the founding of this country and the settling of this country and sort of what people had to go through um, and how that shaped their beliefs and their relationships with one another. Um, I mean, we look at our society as it exists today, and we're in this very individualistic, got to do it myself kind of culture. Um, and and I don't, I shouldn't need to depend on anybody. I shouldn't, um, you know, I should be able to figure everything out on my own. Um, where does that come from? Because innately as as humans that's not how we're designed we're designed as collaborative tribal collective creatures but when you look at how this country was founded it was there's a there was a lot of hardship there was a lot of having to do it my own and having to just muscle through if i wanted to live right and and a lot of us have that storyline that's been passed down ancestrally whether we're conscious of it or not and it impacts our behavior in a number of ways and it impacts our relationships in a number of ways that we're not even thinking about. We think it's just the way it is, but there's so much that I I feel like we're being asked to become conscious of right now. Um, Especially when we, when we take it into that ancestral conversation. Yeah. I literally have goosebumps as you talk about (laughs) this because again, we're not investigating Yet, I mean, I mean, when we get really conscious of this stuff, we get 
we put on, we are like detectives of our belief systems, right? And Mm -hmm. so many times we're living life with these limiting beliefs. And sometimes they do show up as simple sentences that seem kind of good socially. Like, I'm just a really independent person. But, But at the same time, like, yes, being independent is great because it can be helpful in certain ways. But when you look at, I'm so independent, but you do want a relationship or you really cling to the idea that you don't need a person in your life, right? Or a romantic partner where you're like hanging on so tightly to this idea. We want to remind ourselves that yes, we are like, if nothing else about history, we're still like 7.7 billion people on the planet. I'm sorry, but we're interdependent creatures naturally. Mm. Yeah. So, so when we like, when we have, and again, what's coming through for me is just talking about how we associate our needs in relationships when people are constant, when people are, and I find myself guilty of this too, not guilty, but just not looking deeper where I suddenly realize something bothers me and I'm realizing, okay, do I feel too open to talk about it or do I feel too close to talk about it? I get the chance to, instead of saying, this is, this is how a relationship should be, or this is not what you want in a relationship, I can turn it back and say, why do I need this in my relationship? Where did that come from? And then, again, looking at attachment and looking at our parents and appreciating the lineage. So. Well, and also the looking at, I think too, when we think about where did it come from, I think it's important to look at the cultural mythology that we're carrying. You know, I mean, I've had, I've had clients who are like, you know, I want this kind of relationship and it's like, okay, describe to me the kind of relationship. And they describe literally like all of the Hollywood movies. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, why do you think you want that? You know? And I think, I think it's really important that's a really important question for us to be asking ourselves because I think a lot of people are living out an ideal or or they're chasing after a dream that actually isn't even truly authentic to them. It's just what they've been fed a storyline of what a relationship is supposed to be. Yeah. And it's, I'm glad you mentioned Hollywood. So For many of us, you know, listening and myself included, I was really wanting a Hollywood relationship. And my drive for this Hollywood relationship was because I was looking at my parents like they didn't have a Hollywood. They had the opposite of a Hollywood relationship. After doing the work, I can see the, the true authenticity of their relationship. But before I was able to ask myself, why am I looking for this? Um, I wasn't really able to to get to a place of like true healing. So when we discover that our needs are based in our fears, then then we can really start to look at these like belief systems that are coming through, right? So much of what we are looking for in a partner, but we end up reliving these unconscious patterns or we're just not landing that relationship that we know to be intuitively true for us, it's often because we're, we're looking in, in a fear-based way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I'm just thinking right now, you know, the irony of like the Hollywood romance on screen, and then you look at what happens off screen, like most people in Hollywood have terrible relationship track records you know it's like like people can't keep a relationship for more than a few months for the most part in hollywood um and i think like that's gotta it's gotta be telling us something you know if we're actually looking at what's what's being portrayed to us versus what's actually happening well, yeah, and I remember, okay, so Sex in the City is one of my favorite shows. I have no shame around that. <laughs> Love Sex in the City. But what I find really interesting, because again, I'm a, in case you haven't noticed, I'm really obsessed with attachment theory. I noticed <laughs> um, Carrie and Big, they, they have this like 
really weird, distant, somewhat non-committal relationship for I don't know six seasons. And Carrie, at the very like end of the season, talks about how she wants like X Y Z can't live without you kind of love. And I remember looking at watching this scene and thinking, there's a mixed message happening here. And mm-hmm. so sometimes Hollywood looks like you meet the person of your dreams in the, the, the funnest setting. Okay, you fall madly in love in five days. You already know you want to marry them. Like just so fairy tale, like Hollywood and fairy tales, they look so similar, right? And mm-hmm. it's always a meet cute. Um, and then you've got the other side where it's almost shaping you. I just find sex in the city really fascinating and like their love story. So for people who are watching sex in the city, they totally get what I mean by this. Like (laughs) they're, they're actually like displaying somewhat unhealthy patterns from my perspective, but then they come together. They come together after they've withstood everything. Then they come together. And a part of me is like, all right, well, we still need to explore ourselves when we're going through breakups or we're experiencing, you know, going on a break because, yeah, I think, you know, we get so caught up in what Hollywood romance looks like and we forget about being authentic and what's true for us in our relationships that sometimes we hang on for too long because we did see it in a movie or or we saw that it does end up working out in the end if you do X, Y, and Z, right? Right. Yes, because those movies are always tied up in such a nice, neat little package, which is so not life. That's not how life works. Life is not always tied up in a fancy little bow at the end. I'm a huge manifester. Um, And I think in my own journey, I like to talk about this a little bit because we have this idea that breakups are the end, but I truly believe they are just the beginning. And in our ability to accept that we are going through a breakup, we give ourselves, whether it's conscious or not, we give ourselves this kind of permission to invite new things into our lives. And it's a, it can be a blank slate, right? But so many of us, we're, we're trying to like tie up loose ends um, during a breakup, or we're trying to, we, it's like we've broken a mirror and the mirror is our relationship. And we're like trying to hot glue it all back not realizing that you could start fresh, you could buy something new, you could buy a different beautiful mirror. And so when it comes to breakups, actually taking time to manifest what you want can help you. It can also be a beautiful way to process your breakup by giving yourself permission to see things in the future and call new things Mm -hmm. in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to I mean I think to to you to use the contrast that life is presenting to you, right? Okay, I know what I don't want because I'm experiencing what I don't want, and and that those moments can actually help give us a tremendous amount of clarity on what do I then want moving forward, um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's excellent to to use any life experiencing that is challenging, any life experience that is challenging to to really ask ourselves those questions and get super clear on what do we want. Exactly. I will say one of the things that I think is really important to point out here. So, so many times we are finding ourselves being able to more clearly acknowledge what we don't want, right? Which in doing so, we have this idea that we bring awareness to what we do want. But what's interesting is while we continue to focus on what we don't want, you know, I don't want somebody that doesn't call me at night. I don't want somebody that doesn't introduce me to their friends. I don't want somebody that's not ready to commit. Just even when I explore my own thinking around this, I think that I know what I do want. But when I look at what is the opposite of that statement, It's not always, I do want somebody who wants to commit. It'll be something, if I take a second to take that old statement, which is, I don't want somebody who's not ready to commit, I can take it to a greater level when I 
when I take that sentence, I shift it just a little bit to make it positive and make it as beautiful as I want it to be. So instead of, I don't want somebody who's, uh, who doesn't want to commit, I can switch it to, I want somebody who from the moment we meet is, is willing to accept me for me and wanting to have a beautiful relationship the same way that I do. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I've even tried this exercise on my clients where it will be a laundry list of I don't want, but then when I ask them, what do you want? There's actually quite a bit of time dedicated to, well, I'm not sure exactly what the opposite of that is. And I'm like, you get to choose, you want to, you get to choose how powerful you want that statement to turn into, because this is the work I did to manifest my dream person into my life. And so now I, I help people, whether I'm doing it with my friends or with my clients, helping them understand that we can shift that thought and that focus into being something of really, really true power and uh, that is authentic for us. Yeah, I love, I love um, the nuance you're bringing to that because I think it's so spot on and so true. Um, it's, it's not just making it the opposite of what I don't want. It really is like how how um, how resonant am I with this statement that I'm putting out there of what I do want? You know, is that actually what I want? And it's okay to act, to like take time and ask yourself because you know we might be again operating under under an ideal that actually isn't ours. That yeah. that that is someone else. Well, that's what my best friend has, but is that actually what I want? You know, what do I actually want? Exactly. I I think, I think it's such a, um, such an important question that we don't always allow ourselves the time to, to really sit back and answer. I think too, society, society, whether we want to believe it or not, but this just came through to me right now. I think one of the reasons why we often start with what we don't want is not because we're the ultimate fault finders and we're, you know, or very negative. I think it's because society often teaches us what not to do, but doesn't give us full authentic direction on what to do. And I think that's why I think that's why we get kind of stuck in this loop of, I know what I don't want. I know what I don't want, Mm -hmm. but it's like, let's focus on what you, what you do want. What's, what's real for you. So, so even if it can feel like even, you know, if, if you want to, if we want to go away and do this exercise where we're really testing ourselves here, like, here's all the things I don't want. How do I make that into a positive, authentic, uh, new thought or new affirmation for me? Um, we can also just remind ourselves, like, it's not just that you, you're a fault finder, that you're noticing all these things you don't want in a relationship and all the men and women that you've dated, they, they're a certain way. It's, it's just, you're really taking time to acknowledge that you're ready to invite in what you do want officially starting today. Yeah. And to just take it one step further, um, I think I, it was Tony Robbins actually who originally I heard this one from, but it's like, how do you then, or what are you doing if you've made your list of all of the things that you do want in a partner? How aligned are you with those things in terms of the actions that you take in your daily life? You know, if you want someone who's, you know, you have on your list, someone who's like super physically ripped or whatever, you know, and you just sit on the couch and eat chips all day long. Like how, how much are you meeting and lining up with the things that you have on your list of what you want? I think is a really oftentimes overlooked and again, coming circling back to the personal responsibility topic, you know, that's, that's gotta be in there too. So this is, I love this point because a lot of the time, let's say we decide to 
we're, we're feeling called to share that with our friend. You know, are you actually aligned with what you want? For those who are aligned, that question probably wouldn't have even been asked because, you know, when you're connecting with, with somebody, you're sharing this energy together. So when you're, when suddenly you notice this disconnect and you, you notice that they're, they're reciting all these things that they do on and and then you just feel suddenly called and you're like, well, hold on, let's check ourselves for a minute here. Like, are you aligned? It can be a triggering question, but what I like, how I like to think about it, especially given that I used to be a professional matchmaker, we were investigating these needs and how do they show up uniquely for you? And so I know when I was, because I was actually single as a matchmaker and haha, hello, we can see that there was some misalignment for me personally (laughs) there. Um, And ironically, I ended up shortly starting my own business in the, the breakup space once I actually met my guy, right? So um, that kind of like showed me that I was, it, it was like really interesting because I was working with single people who many of them, not all of them, but many of them were kind of avoidant in nature. They, uh, for me, like intuitively, they were not looking for an actual relationship. They were looking to run away from their last relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted to, and luckily I also had spiritually aligned friends who were helping me, um, point me in, in these directions to help me achieve what it is actually wanted, which was a healthy conscious relationship. And so when I was doing the work and I was looking at, okay, what do I want in a partner? And am I aligned? I, I kind of put on this vision board, a bunch of things that I was looking for. And I realized like, and I know it sounds, it sounds superficial but I was like I want a guy with a degree I was like I don't want to date a guy who doesn't have a degree right and you're like okay fine Nance you can have that on your vision board you can have that on as a request but you must ask yourself why for you does that matter and Mm -hmm. when I checked myself you know I actually at the time didn't uh, I was never proud of the education that I had even though I've done a bunch of things and then some I was never really like proud of I never felt smart or I never really felt um, like I've, I felt like I achieved something. So for me, I was actually hiding my insecurity by wanting somebody who had a degree so that maybe I could share that energy. Mm. Like that's Sharing how the prestige, right? Yes. And so when I, when I just became, and again, when we do these shifts, sometimes it's uncomfortable and sometimes things are just showing up naturally. I went back, I started, I enrolled in a university um, for psychology and I just took courses as I was working in matchmaking. And I just started falling in love with learning psychology. And so as soon as I started, as soon as I started becoming aligned with what I wanted, because I wasn't sure I wanted to drop this need, right? But I was looking to get aligned. So when I started enrolling in a degree that I was in love with, I suddenly didn't give two craps about if somebody had a degree because mm-hmm. I was fulfilling what I what I discovered was actually the meaning behind that want. So mm-hmm. bringing it full circle, like, yes, we we want to look at what do we need and are we aligned? And realizing again that underneath our our needs, a lot of the time, it's that fear. It's that wanting to hide some insecurity and not wanting to look at it. And wanting someone else to complete us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of seeing our wholeness and our completeness um, as they are. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Nancy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and be on the show with us today. Um, it's been a, a real pleasure and this conversation went places I didn't expect it to, but it's always fun when that happens. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was, this was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. So to our listeners, thank you for continuing to tune in. I hope this provided a lot of value for you. And if you are curious to know more about some of the things that um, I was mentioning, you know, about some of the 
emotional energy versus intuitive energy um, or thought energy. You want to come play with some of these concepts over with us at Superpower Experts. You can go to superpowerexperts.com, check out our programs, download the app if you have not done that yet. Uh, You can search for Superpower Net on the app store. You can have this this podcast in your pocket, easy, accessible, ready to go, um, and also have access to our trainings that way too. So um, please, please, please go and download the app if you've not done that yet. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.